0: 95 of the Bevan James Ile Show, the fitness behaviour podcast. I'm gonna share some thoughts. Hello team, welcome along to the Bevan James I'll Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Now I've got to be really honest right now, right here, every time I do the intro to this show I stuff this up and I end up doing it about four times and today is probably the first time maybe ever that I nailed it the first time so I'm kind of a little bit proud of myself right now, I know it seems very simple. But for some reason, I struggle with it. Anyway, today's show is going to be a little bit different. It is in the holiday period. We are in the summer break in New Zealand, but we're in the holiday season in most parts of the world. So I'm doing a little bit of a different thing. One thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to go back and put one of the really early episodes on. This show has been going since the 6th of the 9th in 2010. So it's the 6th of September in 2010. So we've been going for, you know, six years over six years now so you know it's been going for a long time and i know a lot of newer people come to the show and maybe haven't heard some of the earlier episodes that i did so i thought i'll go back and do one of the really early episodes that i released of the show and uh just you know because it's just a holiday season and so <clears throat> i'm on holiday and so this is just an easy way for me to kill two birds with one stone but i did want to do uh, just share a couple of thoughts on a couple of things before we started so where do I want to start? I suppose the first thing I want to talk about today is this lovely story I heard the other day. Uh, recently I heard an interview with a, a comedian, oh, I don't know his name, um, he's quite a famous, I think he's Australian, but made it in the UK, wears a bit of makeup, plays the piano a lot, and uh, makes some really funny songs, That if you know who I'm talking about, flick me an email. And anyway, I was listening to this interview with this guy and, and um it was it was a really nice story, you know, he was just kind of a struggling comedian and then got this opportunity and boom his life changed and now he's become I think he's working on a Disney film. So like he's just quite a phenomenal person. And he was just talking about you know, we live you know, let's be honest, twenty sixteen in many ways has shown some interesting aspects of humanity. And in some ways, there is a you know this fear-based-driven thinking that's come through, and what's come through from that, the flow-on effect of that. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to talk politics because, to be honest, I don't know if I have a real deep understanding of what really is creating what, was, what what we are experiencing in the world right now. Um, I have the angle I see things from, but sometimes it's the problem that is that we only see things from a certain angle, and so it's not really my job on this show to talk politics. But one thing, this interview, I was really going to kill me here, not knowing it's I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause. I'm going to be back in one second because I've got to figure out who this guy's name is. I am back and I got the name, and it's Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin. So he's a very famous comedian, very funny guy. But I was listening to this interview of Tim Minchin, and one thing I I really took away from the interview, like I love I love listening to artists and, and just kind of talk about their work of process, you know, their process of how they work and and so on. And is quite interesting for that aspect. But one thing I really loved, and I, I remember, I was when I was in Hawaii, I was listening to this interview, and I'm running down. There's a place called Alehi Drive, and it's this. It's quite a famous part of the old Hawaii Ironman. You run down Alihi Drive, and it's this kind of beautiful tree lined, kind of apartments on each side, but you're also running past the beach a little bit. And I'm kind of doing this hour run up and down this, in beautiful weather, kind of top off because it's so hot. Got my iPod on, running along listening to this interview of Tim Mitchell. And, and he starts talking about his concern of the world is how humanity is not the most important thing we're focusing on. Now, that's not exactly how he said it, but this is kind of how I'm interpreting it as he's talking about it. And just how this whole idea of, shouldn't we be promoting humanity? Shouldn't that be our job? And, you know, there's this we live in this moment in in the history of humanity, where there's kind of this division that's happening, isn't it? It's that, that they are the problem, whoever they are to you. And and he was kind of just saying, shouldn't we be promoting humanity? And and it really touched a nerve with me. It really kind of made me think, Yeah, like you know, like it's it's one thing I've I've been thinking about in my life, you know, the Christmas season I love the Christmas season and and it's one of those moments where you have a good time to catch up with your friends and we've got some really great friends and like yesterday we went to a couple of our friends house and just spent the day hanging out with their friends and we have got lovely kids and all the rest and I remember just thinking you know, I want to be the person how do I make these people's lives better as you know, as I'm sitting there with these kids who are really cool kids or of my family on Christmas day and my partner it's like how do I make these people's lives better and it's not that I tell them how to live life but you know, just what? how can I be a thing in their life that helps to make their life better and just that whole idea of humanity that whole idea of when we get, you know, if we can promote human, and what is humanity, and, and I suppose that's the question, what is humanity, and this, I'm going to give you a really good example of what humanity is, to me at least. So I was at the gym a few weeks ago, and I was talking to a, a guy who comes to my classes, he's a regular at the gym, and I've, I know this guy really well, and, and often at the gym you do know lots of people really well, because you kind of connect with them quite a lot, like I often say that I see people at the gym more than they see their family members, you know, other than the people they live with. So they're they're family members who don't live with them, like maybe their mother or um, their sister, you know, as adults. And the kind of joke is, you know, I see you more than your family and so on. And this guy I was talking to is one of these guys who I see, you know, probably five times a week and and we catch up quite a lot. And so I kind of know the story of his life. And a, a while ago, his business that he worked for had got sold, and at the time it was a bit of a worry for him, because, you know, it's always a bit of a scary time as change happens in your career, and, and you don't necessarily have any influence over it, and so we're kind of talking about this, and turned out it, it was quite good for him, they got it was a small business run by a person who'd done a really good job as a small business owner, they were getting to their retiring years, and, and it, I think they were past retirement age, and you know, just kind of still doing the business, but they thought, no, now's my time to let go, and they end up selling their business to a, to a big firm, you know, like you, you know, you kind of think of a big corporate firm. And so they sold their business to a big corporate firm, and when this person who I knew got their job taken over, they were a bit concerned because, like, what does that mean for me? But it turned out that it was quite a good thing. That actually it was a good thing to be in a new structure, and you know, it, it helped to grow this person in some really cool ways. So when the person who owned the business originally, the small business owner, that the older person who was about to retire owned it. When they sold the business, a part of their contract was that they had to stay in the business for two years. And this is often the case when people sell businesses that, you know, if I'm going to invest in buying your business, I don't want you to leave and then suddenly be you know, it all crumbles because you are so necessary to it. So what I need to do is I'm going to get you to stay in it for a couple of years so I can kind of do that transition in a way that's safe for my investment. And that's you know quite a common thing that you see when business transitions over. Well, I think they bought the business about a year ago. So they bought the business off <coughs> this, this older person who was of a retirement age about a year ago. And after a, f- a few months they realised that actually this person was kind of getting in the way. And I was talking to the, the person I know at the gym about this, about this person was kind of getting in the way and um, it was a bit difficult because obviously the higher level business, Maybe had better structures. Maybe had better way of doing things, and and actually, the person who bought the business, who they bought the business off, was a bit of a doorstop, really. Now this is a really interesting moment, isn't it? Because how do you deal with that moment? How do you deal with that moment in a way that you know it's a really interesting moment, isn't it? Because you can deal with that moment in a way that can be quite damaging. You're like if I'm the person who's bought the business, that big structured big business, I could I could deal with this in a way where I just get rid of the person because actually it's now it's actually counterproductive for our investment to have this person in the business. And we often think of big business, don't we? We think of big business how it's kinda of heartless, how it, it doesn't think about people in the process. But I was really happy to say that when I spoke to the, the guy at the gym that I know, he was telling me that what they did is they realized that she was actually holding things back and what they went to her is they went to her and said, wow, we are so impressed with your business and so impressed with how much you've ran it that you, we, you don't need to be here anymore. You, you can go because you've just been so good at what you've done. Now to me, that's humanity. To me, that's a great example of humanity. In caring for somebody and a chance when we can show them that we care. And, and as I heard that story from this person, I just thought, wow, there is good. You know, there is good. And, and when we think of big corporate, we think of, you know, they just look at the numbers and figures and they'll just crap on people's lives. But this was a, this was a different example. They, they knew that they had a situation that was difficult to deal with. But they let this person go in a way which kept them in dignity, made them feel good about themselves. You know, they thought of the humanity of the process. And it's something that I'm, I, I, I think that's something we need to be fighting for in life right now. You know, we live in interesting times. We all know this, you know, this year 2016, you know, like, it's interesting, a lot of people saying, get rid of 2016, hurry up and get over it. And to be honest, for me, I've, I've had a pretty good 2016, my life's been good, it hasn't really been that affected by some of the bad of the world, but... I can get why people see things this way. But isn't this the time that we fight for humanity? Like, isn't this the moment where we want to be telling stories like that story there, that when somebody had a choice, they made the choice that was good for humanity? And I suppose if I want to challenge you, because change happens from us all making small, incremental change. And when we think about some of the the concerns that we have of the world right now, we can almost think that, well, what can I do? But one thing we can choose to do is to be the person who promotes humanity first. Who promotes this idea of that I'm going to fight for humanity. Humanity is about inclusion. Humanity is about understanding. Humanity is about making others' lives better. You know, not being threatened in my place in the world. You know, there's so so much about humanity that's so important. And as I kind of think about my life moving forward, like I see my goals for next year, and I've got some pretty ambitious goals for next year. Um, But ultimately... I, I want to make sure it sure it adds an aspect of humanity to it, but not just adds an aspect, you know, that I set a goal about how do I be have more humanity in my life, but in the decisions that I'm making day to day, I'm thinking about that. And and, and I want to challenge you, I don't often challenge you, I suppose I do in this show, it's how we roll, but I, I want to challenge you to, to promote humanity in your life next year, in 2017. I, I want you to go look for those opportunities where I have a choice. And maybe, you know, because sometimes, you know, I remember when Malcolm Gladwell brought out a book called Blink. And Blink was kind of about how do we subconsciously uh how we're kind of subconsciously programmed. I'm not sure if that was it, but there was an aspect of it within it. And he talked about Malcolm Gladwell, was, I think he's Jamaican in heritage. And um, so he's, he's, a, he's a black man. And he was saying he did this test basically to see if you're a racist. And he, and he basically just realized he was racist. And, and kind of like how have we been programmed by life to have these kind of stereotypes. And really, sometimes we have stereotypes that are against humanity. And one thing that we can all look to improve on this year is having that stop moment. To see that if I have the stereotype that's moving me against humanity, it's to stop and go, what's the more humane choice? How do I become the person who promotes humanity in my life? Because the world needs that from you right now. We all need that from each other. We need this to be the winner, humanity we really do, so that's, that's kind of my first point, and that's kind of my wrap up for 2016, but secondly, I just want to call, share another quick story before I kind of get one of my old shows back in, and uh, it's interesting, I was doing a running session with a, uh, a guy the other day, <coughs> and uh, uh, I, again, I, I think I talked about this in the last show I did, is that I don't necessarily do much running one-on-one coaching nowadays, It's uh, I, I prefer to work with groups, but there's one guy who I'm just kind of working with, and I took him out for a run, and he had to do a hard set, for, uh, he had to do like a 14k run in 30 minutes of, of of a very challenging level for him. And so we got among, We got amongst it and then he worked really hard to nail the 30 minutes. I think that within the 30 minutes he had like a 10 second where he stopped, he had to pull himself together and he got through it. So he achieved the objective of the main part of the run. <clears throat> and once we had finished the run, he still had 4k to go. So he'd finished the run and he was 10k into a 14k run. And he finished that 30 minutes of hard work and he just turned around and goes, I can't do that, I can't do another 4K, let's just turn around and go back. Now, in that moment, what I said to him was, Let's not make that decision right now. Let's just run for three or four minutes and we'll reassess that decision soon. And I said, Okay. So, so first thing I said, well, let's just run stupidly easy for three or four minutes because we're not now we're not concerned about sitting on this thirty-minute pace. So what I want us to do is I want us to go. You know what? Let's run stupidly easy for three or four minutes, and then let's make a decision if you think you can go on. Now, now, so what happened? Well, he ran easy for three or four minutes, and what happened? He ran the fourteen k's, and actually he he ran really well like he got through that kind of period but there was just a really good insight that I wanted to quickly reinforce with you guys today and the really quick insight was sometimes we need to delay when we're going to make the decision and in a moment of high fatigue a delaying of the decision can be a really good strategy you know for this guy he worked really hard for thirty minutes you know you think when you're running hard for thirty minutes that's a Man, it's a mentally and physically challenging thing to do. And also, if you've got a coach beside you, I and mean, you know, I was doing that thing as a coach. Sometimes, as a coach, you're gonna you're gonna talk people through things. You're gonna push them. You might you give them some words of motivation. And then other times, it's just about sitting beside and not 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 communicating at all, but just being a presence. And being a presence, it's kind of saying, you know what, I expect you to, to deliver here. You know, and not not you know, it's seriously, it's just. As a coach sometimes that's all you need to do You just need to sit beside the person and, and that's what I was doing with this guy I was just sitting beside him And you know that kind of healthy pressure Helped him get through that moment And it, But as soon as the end of that moment When he realised he had still had more to go on the run That was a give up moment for him That was a moment where he just thought I can't do this Because he had just reached the peak Of a really hard thing He was in that high level of fatigue Which it was actually an unwise moment To make a decision if I wasn't there, he may have called it a day. He may have thought, no, nah, because I'm going home. And, you know, and, and in some ways, many times the people in this situation, they can justify that because in that moment, I've done the 30 minutes. It's pretty good. You know, like I really smashed myself for 30 minutes. So, you know, the fact that I don't do that 4Ks, well, that's, that's okay. So it's, sometimes it's justifiable. But he did the 14Ks because we allowed a delay moment for the decision. And it's just a quick strategy I wanted to kind of give you, because I know today's shows a little bit different, because I'm going to put an old show back in, but it's just a quick strategy I wanted to give you, is this whole idea of what, sometimes in your life, should you use, I'm going to delay when I'm going to make the decision, the kind of strategy of that, that's what I, I think is a really good thing to think about. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I need a glass of water, but... Just, you know, learn that within yourself. We used to use it in triathlon a lot. Don't give up yet. So you'd give what we call a give up moment when I was doing Ironman. You'd, you know, you're I Ironman, you're going crazy. And you'd be doing this crazy training and you just get to the moment where you want to give up. And it was like, okay, you can give up, but you can only give up in half an hour from now. And once you got to that half an hour, it's like, oh, no, I'm fine, I'll keep going. And just that whole idea of don't make the hard decision in the toughest moment. Wait. Give yourself some space and then give me the decision later on so there we go it's that's, that's the main just today's show patrons of the show i've got some amazing patrons of the show if you want to become a patron of the show geez you mean a lot to me those patrons really does you know like i'm working on getting my website updated i'm, I'm working on this course i've been talking about this course that i've been doing i'm hoping it'll be ready to release in april and and um yeah I, Jesus, I'm putting a lot of work into it, I'm putting a huge amount of work into this course, I want it to be great, and so, excuse me, so, uh, but those people who have been patrons of the show, you're helping me contribute to doing a new website, doing this new course, doing all these types of things, and so it's really cool, so I just want to name a few of the patrons, Lana Kingy, she is the queen of change, I see she's over skiing, I'm on, she's, I'm an Instagram friend of hers, and I see she's over skiing somewhere, in the cold part of the world, it's very hot here in New Zealand. We've got uh, Wendy, the rock star Schaefer, and then we've got Louisa Crosby, the kitchen queen. Oh, Louisa, she was at my class the other day. Louisa is the one who's got the blog, and she does a really great blog around nutrition. She's also pretty hardcore at the gym. She was doing my body tech class the other day. We've got Ella Boom Boom Pow Green, and we've got Darren Boussine, and he is. Darren Dangerous. Dangerous Darren Boosine. So if you want to become a patron of the show, you go to Bevan James O's. It's pretty obvious. There's a link on the on the page. You'll see my, my website's pretty outdated nowadays. And it's going to be changing because of the patrons. So if you want to help me in that, I really appreciate it. Anyway, team, thank you so much for this. Let's get into the show and let's put a main gist of now. I'm not sure which one I'm going to choose, but you're going to discover pretty quickly. It's going to be I'm going to choose one from the first 10 episodes I did. I've got a few that I can choose from. And I'm going to do that right now. Here we go. In doing my research for this month's show, I uh, there's some kind of concepts I want to introduce to you guys, which you'll kind of get as the minutes go by, but I was doing some research into how many thoughts we have in a day, and, and you know, like how can you really measure that, but some numbers that kind of threw up around the internet, you know, on those kind of websites like Yahoo Answers, which are... Probably not that accurate, but, you know, some ideas that came up was, you know, we have around three thoughts a minute or or around 3000 thoughts a day. Now, to me, it does seem a little bit short, but maybe I think too much. But, you know, it was interesting just to listen to or to look out there and to see, you know, how many thoughts people think we have each day. And it reminded me of a... A book or a podcast that I was listening to, I can't remember if it was a book or a podcast, but that I was listening to a while ago. And I was saying in this podcast that our thoughts from today, from yesterday to today, are pretty much all the same. That, you know, we really don't have that many new thoughts in our day. Our thoughts are really just kind of our habits and our repeat patterns and our mind pattern going from day to day. And I suppose when you think about it, there is some truth to that, you know, that when you wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, you probably have a pattern of behaviours that you sit in every single day of your life. Look at yourself, for example, let's say your alarm goes off in the morning, or, or you wake up in the morning, you know, what is the first thing you tend to do most days? Then once you get out of bed, what do you do, you know, do you get up and spend some time with the family, or do you have a shower, and then, you know, brush your teeth, and then you know, get ready for work, drive to work, get to work, set your computer up, have a coffee. All these kind of habits and thoughts that we have in our day tend to be repeated continuously ongoing. And in this podcast I was listening to, they're kind of saying, really, not we, most of our, our habits and behaviors and thoughts every day are just repeat patterns that we're doing over and over again. And one of the reasons this is actually really important is that to change mental behaviours, it actually is quite a a demanding thing on your mind, quite a, I don't know if stressful is the right word, but quite a fatiguing thing on your mind. So if you had to continuously, day to day, have to create new thoughts all day long, you'd just burn out. Imagine, Imagine waking up in the morning not knowing what the next thing you had to do. You had to create a new day every day. You know, you would get out of bed differently. You 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 know have breakfast before, and you have to create a new breakfast, not the same cereal that you have every day. And then you have to find a new toothpaste or a new way to brush your teeth. You have to find a new answer to every solution you have in your life right now. That would be really, really hard. So it's partly why that you know that is partly why we do have this kind of system of thoughts, which are really just repeat patterns day in, day out. But what's interesting is when you look deeper into your thoughts, is that often one thought then triggers on the next thought. For example, thought A will trigger thought B, which would then trigger thought C. Uh, Let me think of an example of this. Um, You turn up to work in the morning, and the first thing you do is turn on your computer. The next thought you have is, okay, well, the computer's warming up, so I'll go have my hot drink. So you go put on the jug, you talk to your workmates while your hot drink is getting up. You kind of get comfortable, you get your hot drink made, you sit back, and before you start work, your next thought is, okay, I'm going to check my favourite websites for the day. You check your favourite websites for the day, you may be a list of websites, you may even have a list of websites that you go through, so you might go yahoo.com, and then once you've checked that one, you might check a financial website, and then you might check you know, your latest ESPN or sports website. Then after that, there'll be another thought pattern you have. You might have to make sure your desk is tidy before you start working and so on. And often, if you have this habit of having those things all in place, that is a habit that you'll have every morning. So when you turn up to work the next day, first thing you do is once you push that computer, your next thought becomes, oh, I need to make that hot drink. Then once you've made the hot drink, you then your next thought becomes, oh, I need to check my websites. It's that A, triggers B, triggers C, A, turn on a computer, triggers B, make a hot drink, triggers C, I need to check my websites. And this is partly how the mind works when it comes to action triggers or triggering the next thought, in that one of the reasons our daily habits are so easy on us mentally is that it's almost like one thought is installing the next behaviour in place. The thing is, these these actions, and, and, and the term that's used is action triggers, or um, there's another one I, I can't recall right now, but actually I'll call them action triggers. Uh, there's a book called Switch um, from Dan and uh, the Heath Brothers, and they talk a little bit about this, but there's also a guy called Peter Gulwitzer. I'm not very good with last names, so Gulwitzer um, and he's done a lot of research on this stuff and if I'll put some links to the show notes on his work because there's some really good reading on there. but he really talks of the concept of action triggers as well and the thing about action triggers is they don't determine if your behaviours are good or bad behaviours the ABC pattern doesn't, you know they don't know if it's a positive behaviour or not they just instantly, the mind will just instantly come up with the next thought so what does that mean for you? Well, you need to start to become aware of what your action triggers are, what your next thought in the process is. And then you need to be able to think, well, is that moving me towards behaviors that I want in my life, or is that moving me you know, towards behaviors that I don't want in my life? I'll give you an example, a personal example of... Um, how an action trigger happened in my life that brought in a behavior that I didn't necessarily want in my life. So um, I go shopping every, well, most weeks you know, <laughs> to get my food. I go to the supermarket to buy my food. And a while ago, when I was shopping, I was really hungry. I think I'd exercised lots that day and I, and I was just really hungry. And I got to the end of my shop and they have one of those pick and mix areas, you know, at the supermarket where you can grab different, you know, types of kind of picky foods and put them in bags. and and I was walking past the pick and mix area which was really close to the checkout and they had some cashew nuts there and I thought well cashew nuts are kind of not the best snack to have but it's not you know I'll get some cashew nuts to have you know while I'm packing my groceries and then heading home in the car. The next week same. I'd done a lot of training that day and so the same kind of thoughts started to come up and again I bought the cashew nuts and went home what was interesting is the three weeks after the first week was I went shopping again but this time I'd actually eaten before I'd gone shopping so I'd actually I wasn't actually hungry leading into the shopping but my thoughts had changed and I'd created an action of uh, an action trigger of thoughts that then led to me wanting cashew nuts so I was walking around the supermarket and then when I came up to the checkout I, my instant B thought so checkout was go to checkout my instant B thought was to grab cashew nuts, and I did. I went and grabbed cashew nuts, and then went and paid for my food, and and went and ate my cashew nuts, and drove home. Suddenly, I would created a an action trigger chain of events, basically that when I'm shopping, and at the end of the shop, when I get to the checkout, the in, the next thought will be, let's get cashew nuts. Now, is that, was that a good behavior for me or, or not? Well, you know, sometimes grabbing cashew nuts when I was really hungry and I trained a lot, that's actually an okay thing to do. But sometimes I don't need the cashew nuts. But in the habit, in that moment, my mind just went with the next thought and the pattern. that my action trigger became, in a really short period of time, that's what I found really fascinating, became, you know, go to cashew nuts. And what was interesting, like I was saying before, My action triggers, the chain of thoughts that I have, didn't consider the health or or if I actually needed the food. It didn't consider, you know, originally when I bought the cashew nuts, it was because I was really hungry because I'd done a lot of training. Whereas now, just because I had a chain of thoughts in line, these action triggers, it wasn't even considering if I was hungry. It was just that's the next thought that's going to pop up in my head. Think about yourself. Think about all the times, and I'm sure as you're listening to this, you're probably starting to become aware of when you're doing this. I know for myself, um, there was a period of time when I was biking home from the gym and I just started suddenly stopping in at the dairy every time. And I created, and these action triggers can happen so quickly. And I created this action trigger of just stopping at the dairy and getting a little bit of junk food on the way home from the gym. And then what happened was, as I get on my bike at the gym, I'd instantly start thinking about stopping at the dairy because getting on the bike at the gym was then action A. My next action B thought was to go to the dairy. I'm, I'm sure as you're listening to this, actually, you actually can probably look at your own thought patterns and kind of see how these action triggers work. How, you know, at certain times in your life, you have this behavior that you have, and then instantly the next thought pops up in your mind. And then once you've had that thought, the next thought pops up in your mind. So, what, what can we use with this? What can we do with this knowledge to help us improve, you know, our behaviors? And it's going to move us in a direction that we want to go with. I've got to talk of an interesting study that Peter Goldwitzer did um, around action triggers and to see, you know, if they could be effective in changing behaviours. And and first of all, what he did is he gave um, students this this kind of fun, easy way to get a credit, basically. So he said, look, if you can write an essay about what you did on Christmas Eve and turn it into me on the 25th of December, so obviously the next day, I will give you a free credit towards your end of the year result. When he did it, only thirty-three percent of the the students actually turned in, you know, really easy credit just to write up a report about what you did on the day before Christmas. So I suppose thirty-three percent would be what most people would kind of assume, what you know, the kind of turn-in rate that would work in that situation. But what Peter was interested in was could they, could they then train students to actually put action triggers in place so that they could be more successful in getting kids to turn in papers in these types of situations. So then the next time they did it, what they did is they actually got the students to write down a set of action triggers before they went home, you know, and had the opportunity to do the study. So I don't know exactly what action triggers they may have done, but they may have said, okay, when I get home, the first thing I do is I'll grab my pen and paper and sit at my desk. Then what I'll do is I'll do a brainstorm of all the things I've done. Then what I'll do is I'll write my paper then what I'll do is I'll spell check it, then what I'll do is I'll hand it in. So they planned a set of action triggers, their A, B, C and D thoughts, based on what they were trying to achieve. When they did it the second time, 75% of the students who were using the action triggers that they had put in place, handed in the the paper and got the easy credit. So there was about a 50% increase in the amount of success in this little study that he put together, just based on the fact that they had pre planned their action triggers. That no longer had the action triggers just been a subconscious thought that it had just been something you'd done day in, day out, that suddenly they had chosen what the next pattern will be in the next chain of thoughts. So now you have an understanding of, of what an action trigger is, how one thought will trigger the next thought, and so on but also at the same time to recognize that that they aren't really aware what a good decision and a bad decision is. It's just a pattern that will always repeat itself. We can start to become aware of, are my action triggers moving me towards, you know, that place that I want to go towards or is it taking me away from? And ideally, we can start to plan some new action triggers in certain moments, you know, so that we can be more successful with it. So let's say, you know, let's go back to the workplace situation that I talked about before, you know, you get to work, you turn on the computer, you you go make a coffee, you sit down, you check your emails. Well, what you could do is, you know, you look at your action plan and you go, okay, well, really, in that first period of my day, I waste half an hour before I actually start getting any work done. That's actually not productive for me and my job. If I got extra half an hour work done, you know, I, I say I'm so stressed at work, but I kill half an hour just by mucking around. Why don't I set an action trigger up so that once I turn the computer on, I'm more productive straight away? So you might say when I turn the computer on at work, the first thing I do is then call a client. That is your first train of thought. Then once you've called a client, what's the next pattern on the line that you can do that's gonna make take you towards a place that is going to make you more productive of work? If that's your goal, maybe you don't want to be productive at work, hopefully you do, but but You can see where I'm going with this, that before you go to work, you install the action trigger of the behavior that's going to move you towards the thing that you want. So instead of killing half an hour by just doing, you know, mindless stuff, you can actually be productive from the moment you get to work, which, you know, at the end of the day, if you're more productive at work, there's going to be more success at work. So that's a good thing. And that's what we want to start looking at doing, is we want to start looking at our day and our behaviors and thinking of, you know, that 300, 3,000 thoughts, which we don't know if that's true or not, but thinking of those 3,000 thoughts and identifying where this pattern of thinking is actually moving me away from where I want to be. And that's going to lead me into kind of my second thought today. So I suppose the first point I'm introducing is the concept of that thoughts are patterns that tend to just go A, B and C and that they don't, they don't distinguish between what is good and bad in your life. They just happen. And that now that we have this awareness around this, we can actually look at our life and go, okay, well, that set of thoughts move, is moving me away from what I want to be as a person. And what Peter's study, Peter um, Gullwitz's study is saying is that if we can do some pre-planning before the moment where the thoughts pattern starts to start, then we can be successful in changing those patterns and putting better triggers in place so that we end up with better behaviours. And this is where I want to go into the concept of Crucial moments planning Crucial moments in your day And, and, and I, I suppose I'll, When you think about your day You know, if we go back to most of our patterns Most of our days is just the stuff we did yesterday It's, you know, 3,000 thoughts and, and most of them are just the same But we go back to that When you think about your day You probably have A handful at max Of tough moments Where you have to make really good decisions for yourself your crucial moments where you have to make good decisions I'll I'll talk to myself here because obviously it's easy for me to do that but you know for me I I, I may you know I may have a training you know around my training I may have a a session that I have to do you know where I want to go to a higher intensity I may have um, some eating struggles you know like for me I've talked about in the past sugar is my weakness so for me you know trying to have discipline around a healthy amount of sugar is um, or sweet things is, is, you know will be a struggle, um, for me sometimes it can be procrastination with my computer. So you know in my day if I wake up in the morning, and I think about my day and my thought kind of period, I really try to think of in today, what are the crucial moments that I need to be aware of, to make me successful in this day. Now sometimes it will be a big event, it may be something that you've worked towards that's really huge and that's a significant event today. But I really think that most days present you with two or three opportunities that where you, you can make good decisions that are going to move you towards the place you want to go or you can just fall on on bad habits which are moving you away from the place that you want to go. And I think that if we go back to Peter's study about, you know, if you plan, you go, you know, there's a 50% increase in one, well, you know, in success in their study. But if you can actually plan your action triggers in place for these crucial moments, there's a much higher chance that you're going to be successful in those moments. So so I suppose I'll share what I do in these situations. Like the first thing I do is when I get up in the morning and last month I talked about affirmations. So I have my affirmations book and my goal book and I and I start to read through that. And then the next thing I do is, as I do a visualization process of my day, and and I will do a show on visualization because I would like to teach you um, some more advanced techniques on how to, you know, we all kind of understand visualization, but there are some some techniques that we can use to make it more successful. But that's for a later date. But for now, you know, I, I do sit down and I kind of visualize my day, and and when I visualize my day, I'm not visualizing every moment of the day because. You know, most of my day is repeat patterns, and, and a lot of my patterns I'm really happy with, so why would I bother focusing on improving my pattern around my piano practice when I'm actually pretty happy with the way that's working? What I'm looking for is I'm looking for those two or three key moments which I think will have the biggest impact on me moving forward in my day in the direction that I want to be going in, you know, those crucial moments. And these can be moments where you normally are weak So these can be, you know, your real weak moments Where you just seem to always have the wrong pattern of behaviours in place Or it can be a moment where you're already strong But you're just trying to go to the next level It can be any moment, just moments that you see in your day And you go, wow, this is a real crucial moment for me When you think about that crucial moment You need to start thinking about what are the action triggers What are the set of thoughts that happen in that moment so, go back to my work example I did earlier. I go to work, I turn on the computer, I go get coffee straight away, I then go check my um, check my favourite websites. So you look at the action trigger that you already have in place, or the, you know, that thought pattern that you already have in place in that moment. And then what you do is you predetermine better actions to have in place, from, um, action, from thought A to thought B to thought C. So again, we'll go back to the example I used before You turn on the coffee, the first thing you do is you ring a client As soon as you put down the phone, you pick up your pen and you write something about what you need to do for that client to make that transaction successful Once you put down that pen, then you go and you open up a program that you know is really productive and you close down all the other programs on your, on your desktop or your screen so you have no distractions when you're working and so on. You kind of see where I'm going for this. So in the morning when you're doing your crucial crucial moment planning, you're trying to instill action triggers that are going to move you towards the direction you want to go in. Now this show is called Fitness Behaviour, so I suppose I'd look at it as a fitness type of thing. Let's look at exercise. Let's say, for let's, I'll talk to two people. I'll talk to the person who doesn't exercise at all and then I'll talk to the regular exerciser. For the person who doesn't exercise in the morning, or at all... Look at the times when you go towards exercise and look at the thoughts that you have that hold you back in that moment. So you may wake up in the morning, you think, "Okay, I want to exercise at 10 o'clock. And normally at 10 o'clock comes along, you may sit down and turn on the TV first of all. Now, sitting down and turning on TV is not moving you towards exercise. Then once you sit down, you might think, oh, I might just get a snack, and then I'll go for my walk after that. But then once you get a snack, you sit down, and you start thinking of the next thought that's moving you away from the action that you want to do. So what you could do instead is, at 10 o'clock, you look at the clock, and the first thing you think to do is, I'm going to grab my shoes. I'm going to put my shoes on. Then the next thing I'm going to do is get my watch ready so when I can walk out the door. The next, once you put your watch on, the next thought you're going to be doing is going to be walking out the door. Then the next thought you're going to be doing is just get moving around the block. Something like that, like, this, you know, I don't know if that's the perf- perfect solution for the, the line of thoughts that we're talking about here, but that's what you're looking at doing, is in those crucial moments in your day where you normally have weakness, you're setting up a chain of actions that are going to move you towards the, the thing that you want to be doing. For the more advanced exercise, for people who actually regularly exercise, it's more about intensity. You know, like for someone like myself, like today I'm planning to go for a run at 11am and I know I'm going to be able to get out the door and go for a run because if anything my, my 3,000 thoughts have taught me how to, you know, get my shoes on, get my watch ready, get my iPod ready, have my favourite music ready to rumble as soon as I walk out the door. For me, is that crucial moment is when I need to pick up intensity in my run. Because if you think about action triggers, it also works out in intensity and training. Often people stop getting results from fitness because they just train at the same level all at the same time and never really challenge their body to adapt to a new level. So for me, the challenge in today's run is I'm going to set some interval times. I'm going to do a 10 minute warm up. I'm going to do 20 minutes, good pace, 10 minutes off, 20 minutes, good pace, 10 minutes off. It's going to be about an hour altogether. Now, my warm up will be sweet, but the crucial moment for me in today's run is to sit at about a 15% harder intensity than what I would normally run at. So what is going to be the action triggers that is going to help me achieve that at that time? Well, with the iPhone, I love the iPhone and it's really great to run with. Well, it's it's a bit of a handful, but it's it's, it's a good device because some of the technology that's with it. So they have, um, the first thing I'm going to do is my action trigger will be, okay, well, I'm running, so that's okay. That's in my easy thoughts. I'm going to have a timer that goes off at 10 minutes letting me know that it's time to start picking up the intensity. The next action trigger I will do is put on my favorite song, a song that really lifts me, and I've I've just bought a new album the other day, which I'm really enjoying, so I'm going to put on that song right then. And then at the same time, I'm going to use some visualization and focus on my technique when I'm running so I can maintain that intensity. I'm also going to have my phone, because luckily I've got this really cool app called um, Run Meter, I think it's called. And it can talk to you in your ears, telling you how fast you're going. So I'm going to get every five minutes, I'm just going to get it to give me an indication of my speed. So it gives me an idea of how well I'm doing in this time. What I'm doing there is I'm setting up that crucial moment to actually run faster. Now, if I just went out for a run, I'd probably just run how I always ran. But by setting some action triggers and plan for those crucial moments in training... I'm able to go out there and achieve a much higher intensity or level of running, which is going to equal better results for me physically. And that's ultimately what we want to be doing with this information, is we want to be looking at our day, and, and I'll take it all step, you know, steps back to the start, that we want to be looking at our day and going, when are the crucial moments in my day? What are the, the chain of thoughts that I have normally in those moments? I turn the computer on, I go to the, you know, coffee, I I look at my internet websites. Are those thoughts moving me towards the person that I want to be? You know, in the work run, I want to be a better worker, I want to be more productive. You know, losing half an hour by doing those things, is that actually moving you towards where you want to go or away from where you want to go? If they are moving you away from where you want to go, what action triggers are better triggers to have in place... To make sure that I'm going to be moving in the direction that I want to go, and this is where you do your pre-planning, and you create new action triggers. Now, the good thing is, what's really the good news is, is that at first it's going to be a bit of a conscious effort, and it will seem like a bit of a mental challenge. It's something that you have to program in place so that you know it works ongoing. But after a while, you train your mind to think that way all the time. That, you know, when you turn up to work, suddenly, three weeks from now, if you've planned these crucial moments planning, the first thing you'll do is turn on your computer and you'll instantly think, oh, I need to ring a client. And so those good behaviors no longer become such a mental struggle because the action trigger just knows that my next action trigger will be this next thing. Thought A represents thought B, which then goes on to thought C. And so you're consciously choosing to put good thought actions in place that you're gonna be so you're gonna be living the behaviours that work for you on your day. So so I suppose what's your homework, you know, how, how do you implement this in your life and uh, I think the first thing you do is, is spend a couple of days just being aware of your action triggers, being aware of your thought A, your thought B and your thought C in all situations. And, and and over the next few days just think to yourself, Well oh, does this chain of thoughts, does this pattern of thoughts move me to where I want to go? And then the more you become aware of this, the more you can figure out the moments in your day. Because you know what? I imagine most of your day you're doing good thoughts. You know, like you know, getting up and brushing your teeth and all that stuff is good stuff. So you don't need to change that. But if you can find those crucial moments, those key moments in your day, and then predetermine some action triggers to go to alongside those, you're going to find that you're installing strong habits that are going to move you into a place where you're going to be happy with yourself or if your behaviors more, and you'll get better rewards from those behaviours. This is a skill. This is like riding your bike. This is something that you're just going to have to practice. And uh, I find it works best if I do it in the morning, first thing before I get out of bed. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I wake up, I do my affirmations, I do my visualisation, and then I just sit there and I just look for those crucial moments in my day. And I, and I find through experience that I've really, I get, I probably have two or three moments a day where I think well, these are going to be the challenging moments. And then, you know, my 3,000 other thoughts that happen in my day, That I'm pretty happy with most of those. And so, plan your time and practice and practice and practice. And the more you practice this stuff, the more you'll be able to move towards behaviors that give you the results that you want in your life. I know it will seem a little bit challenging at first, but I really believe if you stick at this, you're going to create more and more good behaviors, but you're going to create a better version of you. Okay, so that's pretty much the main gist of today's show, done and dusted. Again, if you want to think about that kind of challenge that I put to you earlier on, this whole idea of the whole idea of humanity—what can you do to promote humanity in your life? One thing I'm going to do next year, like one thing I've always tried to—my th- my dream. Here's my dream. I'm going to t- I'm going to share with you my dream. My dream is to make enough financial money. So that then I don't have to work at all and I can devote my life to promoting exercise for those less privileged in, the, in society. That's kind of my dream. So to kind of, to, to make, you know, like I look at like the Jamie Olivers, I look at like the, the Crocodile Hunter, who was quite an inspiration to me because what they did is they kind of created these businesses that help people grow or, 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 or help and promoted the thing they loved, like Oliver, it's healthy eating, it's Crocodile Hunter, it was kind of nature. And then what they do is with those businesses, they use the profit of this business to help others grow. And so with my running business, I've got a running business and we're really great at helping people grow. To be honest, the online product that I'm doing this year, like, I want to do it to be so successful because I want to help people achieve the goal that we're going to do with this course. But also I want to make lots of money. And the reason I want to make lots of money is because my vision, and this is what Joe and I are thinking about, in five years from now, we want to be in a position where we can work less and we can do something about helping young, kind of teenagers, from about 10 through to 15, with exercise. But not just help them in a way where I give an hour of my week, but where we can take money out of our businesses and pay the best fitness professionals in town to do things with these kids. And, and in my mind, here's, here's my vision that I'm with kind of thinking about, is that we do school-based workouts for families. So it'd be about getting the whole family involved in exercises and creating workouts that would work for a whole family, but underlying what we're doing is there's an exercise component to it but to create shared experiences to create community and people's own communities to use these opportunities to develop the teenagers into leaders so while we'll drive it over over time we we kind of let them drive it we give them the permission we give them the rules we give them the leadership so what we're teaching them is not just the value of exercise and the value of shared experiences in these people's lives, but we're teaching them life skills. You know, life skills that give them character and give them a sense of confidence, identity and all of those types of things. And, and ultimately, you know, we need a great team of people around us. And, and often the problem for charities and people like that is that half your time goes into trying to make money you know half their time goes into fundraising and and so on and so on and and most of them are on the bones of their butt and to me you know like i always want to get to a point in life where i my life's fine i've got enough finances to make sure we are fine and but ultimately then to create something that brings in more than what we need and quite a bit more so then we can pay the best people like in my local region christchurch here We've got some amazing fitness professionals. Now, I could go to them and say, can you give up some of your time for this cause? Which some will and some will. not But it's going to be a little bit of their time. But if I can pay them a good rate, the rate that they deserve because they are great at what they do, to go in and be a leader in areas of our community where fitness isn't happening, then that's going to be great for those those the, the world we're trying to touch, and I, I have these kind of big visions in my head, and and in some ways it's kind of that thing that's going to happen five years from now. So this thing I'm talking about is that you know I'm trying to keep building you know because my businesses that we have are about helping people change. So I'm very much aligned with what I believe in and how I make my living, but at the same time I am helping a certain type of person, a person who can afford to use the services that I provide, and. Um, deep down, I want to get to keep helping those people, but also helping those who who need it and aren't having those resources around them. But in my mind, my downfall has been that I'm kind of spending most of my energy on the now because, you know, it's kind of that. I remember Warren Buffett was like, he wasn't going to give away his money until he died because he's like, well, I can make more money now. And the more I spend making money, the more I'm going to have to give away when I die. <clears throat> and then Bill Gates came along and he has his charity and he's pretty phenomenal what Bill Gates is doing. Like, he's going to solve malaria. Like, wow, that's that's mind-blowing. You know, what a so much respect for, I don't know much as a technologist, but as, as a person who's trying to make a big change in the world, that's pretty massive. And then he influenced Buffett to say, well, no, give away your money now because we can have a big impact now. And... That's one of my challenges this year is that while I'm not at the point financially where I can create this vision that I ultimately want to create and there's a lot of work to get that happening, I can be giving up those couple of hours a week of my time to, to, to starting to build it and so in the second half of 2017 I've got a lot of time away in the first half so I just can't make it work but in the second half of 2017 I'm going to go back to my old high school now my old high school I come from one of those areas I come from poor I was brought up in the poor part of town you know, I was brought up in a block of flats you know, like we didn't have any money Um, and I come from this poor and I went to a school that's it's kind of a failing school and, uh, and lots of kids leave this school kind of damaged and and don't have the character traits set that I talk about. And I'm gonna and I've just decided to myself that this year I'm gonna go talk to the principal and say, look, you know, I have credibility in my my region around exercise, and I would love to have the opportunity to start to try to build something. And it would be very much be me testing the water to see what this vision, you know, like visions often come from slowly building something. And so, you know, you don't know until you're actually in the, in the jungle, what the jungle's like. And so this year will be about me kind of planting the seeds around what it is that I want to create. And that way I am actually doing some of the work. And, and over time, as I get better and better at my business, then I can use those resources from my business to then make this, this thing that's not just, hey, Bevan goes to a, a school once a week, but every school in my city has this amazing kind of product, I don't know what we will call it, but a product that empowers the community with exercise. Not just the kids, but the community. So one of the things that's getting lost in today's world is we get time poor and, and where our priorities shift is the sense of community. And, and one, thing is, one thing, I think I've talked about this recently on the show, is this whole idea of how, you know, what's the, what's the biggest punishment to humanity? So if you're the worst criminal, what's the worst punishment you get? It's solitary confinement. It's being you locked away from people. That's the worst punishment. And in some ways, in the world we're creating nowadays, it's, we're almost creating that for ourselves. And connection with people in empowering ways is such a powerful thing to have in our lives. So when we think about this ability to be able to help those in areas who are you know less fortunate than than maybe myself if we can build community that empowers those people to have shared experiences to make them healthier both mentally and physically and to make that something that happens in my city but then ultimately to shift that further like i look at what the people have done with parkrun parkrun is such an inspirational thing parkrun is this product actually the guys who do marathon talk which is a podcast um they, they started a great kind of if you like marathon running they do a really good marathon podcast i'm pretty sure tom started it and parkrun is it was this basic idea of let's put on a 5k run at my local park and it's really community so every once in a while you're going to, have to put some time into it and so on and so on well park run's this massive global thing now it's a massive global thing it's all around the world it's one in my local area and it's free everyone can turn up it's free and each week thousands and thousands of people around the world are having this amazing experience together through exercise, and they're building community with exercise, now I guarantee for those people that parkrun's a great thing, and that's what I would ultimately like to create, is, a, is this kind of a system that promotes exercise for families and communities, not just in Christchurch, but maybe even to have a vision like parkrun where it's a worldwide thing. Now I know I'm, I'm dreaming big here, but next year, 2017, I'm going to start this because I need, to, I need to keep doing the, the other work that I'm doing to be able to get the opportunity to create it in the way I see. But at the same time, I also want to make sure that I'm, I'm actually doing some of the work today. So that's one of my big goals for this year. Maybe what's your big goal for next year? Maybe you want to share it with me. Flick it through to me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you want to be a patron on the show, you want to support me in the work that I'm doing, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com. You'll see there's a patronage there. I'm just ticking off all the people who I get the nicknames off. And uh, you yeah, have a wonderful new year. I hope you had an amazing Christmas season. Uh, yeah and I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. I'm not sure if I'm going to do an interview show or a Bevan show, but we'll get back into it for 2017 then. Have a wonderful day, and you rock on. See you, bye.